do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. Got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cubiculist. This show is like a journal of the personal variety of all the media I have consumed. I uh, feel that if you just watch, read, play various medias and, and don't ever talk about them to anybody... Well, what? come on now. It's just going to sit up in the dusty attic of your brain and ferment. Maybe it turns into beer, but maybe it turns into black mold, which, if I've ever watched uh, any uh, TV shows where black mold was mentioned, apparently it's really, really bad. Yeah, and I think eventually it will turn you into zombies or perhaps clickers, like from The Last of Us. Yeah, remember those things? Fungally, zombily things? And we don't want that. So that's why I do this podcast, to prevent things like that. I will now push... Oh, you know what I will now do before I push a button? Is say that uh, you may not have consumed some of this media yourself, so I warn of the possibility that uh, things could maybe possibly kind of sort of kind of sort of be spoiled for you. All right, now I will push a button. That will start a series of five five-minute timers. Ladies and gentlemen, like this. Let's get ready to rough you some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Aquarium Bongs. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first is The Cured. Ah, yes, uh, the missus and I, I'll give you a little behind-the-scenes action, as I do from time to time, uh, looked for a movie to watch on Halloween night as we were handing out candy to all the little kitties. So uh, that's where I am in terms of time. Uh, just about. Uh, so we uh, we landed on this one. Uh, a disease that turns people into zombies has been cured. The once infected zombies are discriminated against by society and their families, which causes social issues to arise. This leads to militant government interference. Uh, I, I think the one sort of craziest takeaway from this movie, uh, from this plot, rather, is that the zombies that were cured remember everything they did while they were quote-unquote zombies. It's not actual zombies. It's more like a 28 Days Later style sort of rage virus. Put it more in that kind of category. But still, the fact that they remember everything they did and just weren't in control. Like It's almost like they're watching through their own eyes uh, events occurring. So that's, that's pretty horrifying. Uh, so it deals with that. 
and it all takes place in Ireland, which I, I think Ireland, from the sounds of it, of the countries of the world was the hardest hit for some reason, not quite sure why. Uh, Ellen Page is great, uh, the, the main zombie guy, good, the, the bad former zombie guy, I should all say former zombies. Oh yeah, and then there's like, um, 25% of those who were infected, uh, are resistant to the cure, so, uh, they still have all these actual people who are still, I'm just gonna say, zombified, uh, so they're sort of deciding what to do with them, um, those, uh, uh, like never... <laughs> excuse me, those who were never infected basically just want to kill them uh, and, and with the sort of fear of having uh, this happen again sort of thing. So uh, a lot of the politicians are using fear to uh, get elected. Hmm. Uh, Anyways, uh, <laughs> rating-wise, I think I'd go like a solid four or five. It was really good. And they did uh, introduce one sort of interesting thing to this uh, this whole type of zombie, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that there was almost like a Borg-like uh, interconnectedness of minds where they could sort of uh, sense each other's thoughts or something, so that was kind of cool. Oh, the other uh, interesting idea they threw in, all, all sorts of like a little interesting tidbits like this. Uh, the other interesting thing is that if you had been cured, uh, the ones who weren't cured, so the still zombies, the ones who are still infected, uh, wouldn't attack you. So uh, the, another just sort of cool little tidbit to make for some interesting storytelling, I think. Great, moving on to Deep Star Six from 1989. This falls into the category of movies where the cover of the, it would have been VHS at the time, I remember always seeing as a kid and always wanting to get, um, but then never seeing <laughs> the movie itself. I think probably because I was too young, since I was born in 81. Uh, so it's just like the cover, there's something about it, it's just like a, a submarine kind of suit thing. Uh, it just really resonates with me for being, seeing it in the movie theater, not in the movie theater, in the, in like, uh, the movie store. It wasn't a blockbuster when I grew up, really. Anyways, uh, the movie, <laughs> not so great, it's, it's fine, uh, I don't even know if I would go three, I think I'd probably go closer to a two. Uh, at the bottom of the ocean, the Deep Star 6 has just discovered a new and deadly alien menace. Yeah, that's, uh, accurate, I suppose. I don't know, it's just not that great. If you're gonna watch, uh, underwater alien-y movie, definitely watch The Abyss over this. 100%. Okay, moving on to Batman, colon, Assault on Arkham. Ah, this is not really a Batman movie. <laughs> it's more of a Suicide Squad movie, yeah. Uh, Batman works desperately to find a bomb planted by the Joker while Amanda Waller hires her newly formed Suicide Squad to break into the Arkham Asylum to recover vital information stolen by the Riddler. Yeah, that's accurate, uh, just for the fact that Batman doesn't play a huge role for most of the movie. He's sort of in and out. Uh, they did, however, get my favorite Batman, Kevin Conroy, so, you know, you got that going, which is nice. Um, Troy Baker did the voice of Joker, uh, and Joker's not a main part of it either. He's sort of in prison while the Suicide Squad's doing it. Uh, he's, he's, he does a good, good job. Mark Hamill is still my favorite. Um, in general, this is a very dark one. Uh, lots of death, which, uh, you don't often get in Batman stuff. Uh, I guess it's the Suicide Squad. You're gonna have some death, sure. 
Uh, Rating-wise, I, I go with like a solid four. Uh, I, I definitely had enjoyment, and uh, Batman animated stuff it was always pretty good. You never really go too bad. Uh, okay, as you heard, we're out of time, so I'll just do the last one quick. Uh, scary Movie from 2000. Not a scary movie, but a movie that is called Scary Movie from 2000. Uh, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with this franchise, it's a spoof of scary movies. Yes, hey, hence the title. Uh, the missus and I are going to, at least this is our plan, be watching one of these a month. Uh, one of these a week, rather, sorry. So, uh, for the next five episodes of this podcast, since there are five of these movies, I don't know if I've even seen the last one, um, we'll have one of these. So, we'll just start off by saying uh, the rating of this one, which, uh, it, it holds up, it's just dumb fun. Uh, of spoof movies, I believe scary movies are some of the better ones. Uh, you're going to get some good uh, LPMs, laughs per minute, I think, uh, in its uh, ridiculousness. Uh, so I'll go like a four, a four-ish out of five, yeah. So, there. Four-ish out of five-ish. Today's television talk sponsor is the Mouth Watering Guard. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, this is sort of a mini-series, I guess you would say, uh, in that it's just uh, four episodes, but we're going to count it as a TV show. So there. Uh, it is called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. It is available on Netflix. It is uh, from, the, uh, from a book. Uh, oh, shoot. You know, what, what's the girl's name? Let me find her name. A docuseries based on the award-winning book explores the essence of cooking and vital ingredients at the heart of a great dish. Starring uh, Salmon Nosrat. N-O-S-R-A-T. Nosrat? Nosrate? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, basically it's taking these four elements. Salt, fat, acid, heat. Uh, Each element is getting its own uh, separate uh, uh, entry into the series, so that's why there's four episodes. And basically it's a cooking travel show, I guess is how you would explain it. Um, And what more to say, really? Other than it's really good, five out of five. Today's book banter sponsor is Lauren Bed's Sleep Number 10,000. Okay, so uh, I finished the series, uh, uh, The Book of Words by J.V. Jones. The final entry in the trilogy is Master and Fools, and I gotta say that it is so good. Yeah, loved it. Uh, I think I gave the first book a 6 and the second book a 5 out of 5. Uh, last book I'll go 5 out of 5 as well. I'm not going to do 6 just for the reason that, although I did like the ending, uh, there was 
uh, like it didn't really, I, I guess it tied up all the loose ends for the most part, but it tied them up so quickly, I almost feel like a fourth book would have been possible, and they could have taken some more time uh, with sort of the events of the, like the, the main character goes to the island, and he does what he has to do, the island of Larn, um, what he has to do to fulfill this prophecy, yada yada, and then he's got to travel all the way back and sort of stop the main bad guy. And it's that, the travel back and the stopping of the main bad guy, that uh, it felt a little rushed, actually. Um, rushed, but because of the speed with which they sort of did it, it, it was like, it was definitely difficult to put the, put the book down towards the end because things were happening, 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 happening. And uh, it was just pretty crazy. All in all, uh, this has turned into one of my favorite trilogies that I've read, just sort of period, in the in the realm of fantasy. Highly, highly recommend. Um, I'm sort of trying to speed through uh, things here, television talk book banters, because, uh, as promised from last time, and I'm sort of going to start now and we'll mingle it into the game, Gavin, since they go hand in hand, uh, I'm going to finish reading the uh, uh, Droshank <laughs> Redemption recap, which uh, if you listen to the last episode, you'll know I'm um, running a D&D campaign, and uh, this is a recap of the episode. So uh, I sort of started it and gave a little few tidbits behind the scenes in the last episode, so feel free to listen to that first. Um, and then uh, here we go, and this will probably work into game gabin as well because it's a story and it's a game that's D, folks right it's a story and a game <clears throat> duke palpatine's map likely would have been helpful but ragnar theranam and grim did not get to use it as just as they were about to start their journey the three were peppered with poison darts that knocked them into unconsciousness days Perhaps weeks of travel through the Underdark passing in and out of a paralyzed sleep flashes by so that it is impossible to tell where they are going or how long it took them to get there until they groggily find themselves in a dark and dingy prison cell with all their items except a tiny snake. Wonder how they smuggled that in. And perhaps the most worrisome of all, no powers, magic or otherwise. Uh, with no tools other than their wits, the team bides their time until they notice patterns in guard movement. Grim Miles was eventually able to mimic the speech patterns of one of the guards, allowing him to deceive the female Dro, who once a day had to recast the spell that cut the cell off from any magic slash powers the team would normally have. The loss of an eye when she peeked into one of the Swiss cheese-sized holes at the front of the prison wall meant that all thoughts of recasting the spell fled from her mind. This allowed Grimm to shadow step out of the cell, and perhaps parts of him thought of leaving the other two behind, but once he scoped out the immediate area and found all their worldly possessions, the possibility of escape became much more likely. Eventually, using a patch made from the cape of many things created a hole in a pit uh, the team used to gain their freedom. Only took them maybe 20-ish days or so. Uh, yeah, I was uh, sort of rolling for days uh, imprisoned, combined with how often they were fed. Uh, so they were getting levels of exhaustion as that happened. 
just wait for that. So, da, 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 da. This same robe also produced patches that led to a ladder, crushed in half, gems, and last but grossest, a horse also cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, a, a no doubt hungry and wary team eventually find themselves in front of the Queen of the Drow, who has apparently, who was apparently holding them captive simply for her amusement to, in essence, quote-unquote, see what happens. Her elite guard are no match for the apparently even more elite Ragnar, Theranim, and Grimm. Uh, they then make short work of the queen herself, at least to her body, for when that is destroyed, her head remains floating in place where it grows, both in size and the amount of eye stalks it has, since the Drow Queen seems to have been a beholder in disguise. Once she is defeated, their mission has been accomplished, uh, and it should be a simple matter of finding an exit. However, when they notice the queen's throne has ten buttons, of course they have to push them all, releasing themselves, but also releasing an ice warrior, a Dalek, a Cyberman, and a fourth thing they cannot quite recall what it was. Uh, that was the silence. Anyways, uh, what I did for that was... The buttons corresponded to the various things, but some of them corresponded to... I had a Doctor Who, like, trading cards, so I would have them pick a card, and whatever card they picked was what was released, and uh, that those were the things they picked. And uh, they managed to escape without having to fight them. So uh, I did have plans if they did have to fight them. I was going to mostly wing it, but uh, they uh, never ended up fighting them through smartness. Hey, that's allowed. Anyways, uh, some exploration for a way out eventually leads them to a room with two pedestals, one marked healing and one marked de-aging. Uh, Grim touches the healing one and immediately is both healed and hears a scream of pain from a human male. Uh, anyone who used a pedestal after this point, please go to the next lowest alignment, you evil buggers I have written here. Uh, some investigation led them to believe these pedestals and this whole room was designed to leech healing and anti-aging from those stuck in the device. Uh, with no way to free the man or a woman, uh, and with pleas for the sweet release of death from the man, the team did the only thing they could and put both man and woman out of their misery. Hashtag dark. Uh, they did not have much time to decide on this course of action, as the unlawful use of the device seems to have unleashed something. In the distance, uh, in the distance, they heard the smashing of heavy footsteps approaching at a quick pace. When the force of the stomping was in sight, Ragnar and Grimm had a moment of recognition as they saw this was Vin the Iron Golem, but as they took the golem control rod to power their airship transformation, clearly whoever put the new one in place was not their friend, and his attacks, both physically and physical and poison breath, eventually meant that the entire team is near death. Yeah, everyone was pretty close to death, so that was uh, pretty scary. Uh, running away is a very smart move. Uh, even before Grim Miles, now invisible, notices that whatever baddies they left in their wake, oh yeah, that was the Doctor Who stuff, uh, seem to have broken free. Uh-oh. 
so that if they do not act quick, the party would be both low on health and surrounded by very healthy enemies. Healthy enemies. Uh, Ragnar makes a valiant effort to remove or destroy the golem control rod, but it turns out that when you are not the one who put it in, it is much harder to take out. A mad dash to what fortunately is a room too small for the iron golem to enter is all that saves them. Even the barred door will not hold forever, and as the golem smashes the rocks and the door, other sounds of otter beasts can be heard gathering outside clearly with the desire to break through and exterminate them. Uh, at first the room at first the room the team is in uh, sorry uh, at, at first the room the team is in seems like a dead end but at its center is a portal with six images flashing by at regular intervals one like a fire two barren frozen wasteland three futuristic looking city four grassy plains for miles and miles Five, pitch blackness, but its very sight hurts your eyes. Six, land of fairy with unicorns and rainbows and fairies and such. With no time to spare, just as the walls and doors are tumbling inward, our to-be-named team jump through the part the portal when it's showing the futuristic city. Who knows what sort of thing will be in store from them next time? Uh, the end of that session. Uh, the funny thing was uh, about this is, and this is going to get real nerdy here, um, combining D&D &D and Star Trek. There was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where uh, uh, Worf and Data and Picard are on a planet and there's a portal sort of flashing through different scenes that uh, conceivably will take you to those scenes. Uh, the one of the futuristic city is uh, one that I took straight from that episode. In fact, uh, the, when it shows a city in that episode, uh, the city it shows is Toronto because it shows the town hall of uh, Toronto, which is sort of a, a weird curve-shaped building. So uh, that's sort of the reason I picked this. And it, it was funny that they chose that one to jump through. So it was sort of fitting. And I liked it. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is the Lusty Argonian Maid. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, item the first is a combination of two items from Polygon. Um, oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, oh, I did write it here. Uh, specifically from Brian David Gilbert over at Polygon. He's done two videos that are probably my favorites of all the ones on Polygon, which is saying something because they put out really good... Uh, usually always uh, video game related vids and articles and such. Uh, the two in question are one in which he has read every single book that is located in Skyrim and one in which he has tried and I think succeeded for the most part to make sense of the uh, Zelda timeline which if you are at all familiar with the Zelda games the timeline of them is 
inconceivable, let's say, as Wallace Shawn would say, inconceivable. So uh, he takes a humorous and funny approach to both of those. Uh, the reason I uh, like the Skyrim one is because uh, I do have them all. Like there was a, a PDF floating around where someone had uh, compiled them all, and uh, I did get a copy. Um, but he also rated them, ranked them, uh, and sort of gave a, a sub-list of ones that are actually worth reading. So I did read a few of them rather than read them all. So uh, I very much appreciate his work, which allowed me to read. Uh, I read the, the four-part one, what is it, Beggar, Thief, uh, Warrior, King. Yeah, those are the four parts of the book, and, and it was interesting. I, I read it actually while I was uh, getting my winter tires put on yesterday. So thank you for that. Uh, you can, he, he puts a link to all of the books in, uh, on that video. So, uh, an, another reason to go watch it. Hey, why not? Okay. Next is Fallout 76. Yeah, man, I'm getting excited about this. Uh, my specific question here is, should you watch streams before you play a game? Hmm. And, and that is a, an actual question I am asking myself. And, and I'm sort of swinging back and forth. Uh, I, I think the story is the thing that you don't want to. Like, uh, and so far I've been pretty lucky and I've only watched, you know, bits and pieces here and there and I haven't had anything spoiled. But what I have had happen is my, my interest peaked, my curiosity peaked. So uh, I think it's a fine, sore, a, a fine, fine line that you can walk where uh, you'll, you'll, you'll watch streams and you can have things spoiled, and then when you experience them yourself, they will be dulled. Or you can do like I have been lucky enough to do so far, so far and uh, uh, watch just enough to be like, oh yeah, that looks cool. Oh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. And I do now have my hands on it. And uh, it is next week, or still got some time. So I, I can play the beta, and maybe I will. I'm kind of debating that as well. That's another question. If I play the beta, will all my progress be lost? Curious, curious, curious. Anyways, uh, so I just wanted to sort of pose that question to you. Uh, next is Joey Coco Diaz Everywhere. Yeah, he's uh, plugging his stand-up special, which I also watched, and I highly recommend you do. It's called The Degenerates. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, him on any podcast is podcast gold, period. Doesn't matter who the host is, what format the show takes. Uh, just to hear him talk... Uh, you know what, one in particular sort of is jumping out at me because it was, it was just sort of very interesting and got, got really deep as he was on the Duncan, Duncan Trussell Family Hour, which uh, sort of takes many different turns into the, the, the metaphysical and, as I like to call it sometimes, brain stuff. So I um, very much enjoy that and recommend you check it out. Uh, last but not least is uh, Matt Koval Weekly Vids. Yeah. Matt Colville, uh, or Colville, if you prefer, he does, uh, D&D &D related content. Uh, he, uh, I don't think it was a regular poster, like he would post uh, every once in a while, but, uh, I think he's done a Patreon, which has uh, allowed him to post a video a week or sometimes more than one video a week. Uh, and it's been a goddamn delight because he really knows his D&D. &D, and doesn't uh, talk about it with a I know everything sort of 
Uh, he, he doesn't come at it as a, as a person who knows everything and uh, is saying this is the rule, this is what you have to do. He's, he, he's always sort of ha- doing it with like a, a question or saying it as his opinion and giving different sides to subjects. So some of the ones, uh, like fudging die rolls, that's, that's a good one. Anyways, check all that out, folks. We've made it to the end, or have we? It's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. (laughs) I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper. Yes, a bonus. Bonus conversation cleanup sponsor is Giant Spider Massage. Thank you for that. Okay, folks, you know what we're here for? Doctor Who seasonal episode, seasonal episode, episode four. It's so exciting, I can't even get the words out. Arachnids in the UK, yes. Uh, right around Halloween, this came out. Uh, this is what I would definitely uh, call a standalone episode, similar to the Weeping Angels one, in that uh, coming out around Halloween, a little spooky episode. Uh, if you don't like spiders, if they frighten you, this episode will not be for you, as there are giant ones. Scientifically explained giant ones. Although, one thing uh, about uh, spiders of a certain size is I do believe they stop working from a mechanical sort of point of view um like they they their their size would sort of crush them so when they're when they're getting to be the size of small dogs uh i I think i heard it explained once that spiders of that size did exist in like prehistoric times but uh, that's when there was much more oxygen in the air so uh, they sort of breathe easier or uh, something like that I, i i don't know i've heard explanations why spiders could exist to a larger size back in prehistoric times i think that's a thing i think i am not making that up but uh you know who's to say who's to say uh yeah this is very much like a sort of a classic doctor who feel um and 
it's just uh you know scary spooky giant spidery fun and uh rating wise i'll go five out of five yeah uh the doctor shining through pretty good in this one. Oh, and the ending oh i love the ending um the ending is just sort of like and this is not really giving anything away if, if you know that the series didn't end with this episode this is not getting giving anything away it's just it's sort of set it up nicely for the doctor and her three companions to continue on with their adventures uh, in, in like a really sweet uh, heartwarming uh, tear to my eye way so uh, I, I like it and i'm looking forward to uh, uh the next episode season 11 episode five if my math is correct folks that's it we did it we did it it's still nice to be nice to the nice as far as i'm concerned <laughs>